Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Because of Bethlehem. Yeah, you can clap about that. That's all right. It's, it's because of the manger in Bethlehem and because of Christmas morning that we know about Jesus Christ. We know about his coming, all that he has accomplished for us. We know that it was forecast by prophets in the Old Testament. And yet it was missed by so, so many. These prophets were talking about it. They were writing it down. And yet Jesus was missed. This morning we heard from one of those prophetic words actually in the Gospel of Matthew, but Matthew looks back. Matthew quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Jessica Perkins read a passage for us, and I want to just remind us what the last two verses said in that passage that she opened with. It was from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Of all the gospel writers, it's Matthew who's the most prolific in quoting the Old Testament. And here he hearkens back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7. The prophecy of the virgin birth. The virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son. The idea of it, the idea of a a virgin giving birth, it's incomprehensible. And Matthew wants us to believe it. He desires all to believe it. He was writing to these, his own people, the Jews, and this is why he went back to the Old Testament so many times. Can't you see this? It's pointing to Jesus Christ. Over and over, he references prophecies which back his claim as he did when he said, the virgin will be with child, and they'll call him Emmanuel. As incomprehensible as all that is, God did come to earth. He came to earth in the human form, and the significance of that is enormous. It's immense. I want to consider this morning some of the magnitude of what that means of God coming to us. And I want to consider that by taking a look at a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. This is from Philippians chapter 2. It's verses 5 through 11. Paul telling us, about Jesus and what he did in coming to this world. Paul wrote, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These are powerful words of the apostle speaks of Jesus coming. When Jesus came to this, the earthly kingdom, he didn't come as God. He emptied himself of the form of God. He was God, yes, but he took on this form of a man. He no longer appeared above as the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. No, he left that majesty which he had with the Father before the world was ever created. And he was presented to the earth. He was presented to the earth, Paul said, in the form of a human, in the form of a servant, instead of that as the sovereign, instead of that as the head and the ruler over all. He was made in the appearance of men. Jesus, the Word, as John described him, the Word who was with God and who is God, left his heavenly estate. However, though he left his estate, though he came here as a man, he was still divine. He came to be God with us. Paul's words to the Philippians, they give us some of the clearest, most succinct description in Scripture of what Jesus did in his appearing here on this earth as a child, in his coming as a human. And it was so much more than what we might call the Christmas story. The Christmas story tells us that Jesus came into the world as a babe, that he came into the world in the usual way that children arrive. He was birthed. He was conceived in a woman. He was born as an infant. And he grew up and he learned as a child to, to do the things and to hear the things we all heard as a child. He was taught, hey, don't touch that. Don't touch that. It's too hot. Watch out. Don't fall in there. Don't stand on that chair. You're going to hurt yourself. Hey, I'm going out for a little bit. Would you look after your brothers and sisters? And these are the kinds of things I'm sure Jesus heard as, as a normal human growing up. We don't know many of the details of Jesus' upbringing. Really, just one that was given to us in the Gospel of Luke. We know that when Jesus was 12 years old, he gave his parents a fright. He was left behind in Jerusalem for three days. They had gone there, made their annual pilgrimage. And when they were on their way back to Nazareth, they realized Jesus wasn't with them. Their 12-year-old son wasn't with them. They went on a search, a frantic search. Imagine, you've lost your boy. And they couldn't find him for three days. And when they did find him, well, they scolded him a little bit as any good parents would do to a 12-year-old who decided, well, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to stay here. And he went back 
to Nazareth. And Luke's gospel said he was obedient to his parents and that he grew, and he grew under their oversight, and he grew in stature and wisdom. And when he was 30 years old, he began his ministry. But even then, Jesus wasn't considered all that special by the people around him. They said, well, that's just a guy from Nazareth. Well, hey, isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't he the carpenter's son? He was just marked as an ordinary carpenter's son. We know his human story. We know the birth in a stable, his development, his growth, his advancement as a human, as a man. He grew just like we all have. But what he did to become the man who gave his life, this is what Paul encapsulates in these few short verses in his letter to the Philippians. He was made in the likeness of his creation, of mankind. And he came as this man. In a letter to Timothy, Paul expressed that this is a mystery. He said, the mystery of godliness is great. And he started to list the points of this mystery. But the very first one, where Paul said, the mystery of godliness is great, he said, he appeared in the flesh. Jesus came as a human. And that's the same thing that John wrote in his gospel. God, the Word, became flesh, and He dwelt among us. That's one of the components of this great mystery of godliness, that God was manifest to us in the form of His creation, in the form of flesh. It's hard for us to comprehend. That's why Paul says it's a mystery. And I suppose if we think about it, we could have probably conjured up a different plan. I suppose God Almighty could have come up with a different plan. As we heard in that little video, it could have been written differently. Queen Mary and King Joseph... They could have arrived at their palace. They could have had attendants all around them. And they could have birthed Prince Jesus into the world and put him on his throne right when he was birthed. Or Jesus, he could have come differently. He could have come as an angel. He could have come with the nature of an angel and appeared on earth in the form of a man. Well, there's numerous accounts in the Old Testament of angels appearing as men. Sometimes the people they appeared to didn't even know they were angels. Couldn't tell the difference. Angels who came as men, but they had supernatural power. Wouldn't that have been better if Jesus could have come like that and he could have used this supernatural power whenever he needed it? And that could have helped Jesus in many difficult and trying situations. But the God who created us, he had a different intention. He had an intention to lay down all of his power and come to earth on our level. He didn't stay above it. He came right down to us. David wrote in Psalm 8, What is man that you are mindful of him? You've made him lower than the angels. And so it was that God concluded, 
I'm not going to go down to the level of an angel. I'm going down all the way to, to be a mortal. I'm going to take on that form. Not some station somewhere in between. Not some space between angels and, and, and men or someplace above angels. No, I'm going to be a man. He emptied himself of his glory and he became a human. The Son of God came in the likeness of sinful flesh. And Jesus suffered and experienced everything that a human experiences. The highs and the lows of life. You know, hunger and thirst, cold, fatigue and pain. He experienced joy and laughter and he experienced sorrow and tears. Jesus experienced all of it with just one difference. There was no sin in Jesus. There was no sin in his nature. He was conceived differently than us. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. He was born of a pure virgin. He was like us. He was in all points tempted as we are. And the Word tells us, yet without sin. He remained in that perfect state. He didn't yield to the devil. He didn't fall to sin. He was the perfect man, and he was perfect God. Our Lord not only emptied himself of his glory, but Paul said he took on the nature of a servant. And that's amazing to think about. Christ as a man was a servant. He was a servant first to his God, to his Father. And that's the way that Jesus was announced by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah in Isaiah 42 said, He is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. That's God. God saying, here is my servant. So we, we find our Jesus comes and he declares himself as the servant of God the Father. He's subject to the will of the Father. And he makes no bones about that. When he speaks of himself as a man, he speaks of himself as a man who is in service to his Father. I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. That's John chapter 6. I'll always do what pleases him. John 8. Yet not my will but your will be done. Jesus said before he went to the cross. That's Luke chapter 22. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is saying, listen, you can have relationship with me when you do as I do. Follow the will of the Father in heaven. That's Matthew chapter 12. It's really not that incredible to think that Jesus would serve his father. That's what earthly children do. When they have a good father that raises them up, they have this desire to please dad. And that's what Jesus did. He was a servant to his father, and he desires that for each of us, that we would serve the father. But there's more. There is more. And it is incredible what's more. It's not so incredible to think that Jesus would serve his Father. But what Paul said and what he wrote, even more incredible is that Jesus 
would serve us. He was this servant, and he came to serve those he created. That's amazing. Let that sink in for a bit. Jesus came to serve us. He came, he said, in Mark chapter 10, not to be served, but to serve. How humbling is that? How humbling is that, that the God who created us would serve us? And I say to you this morning, let Jesus be your servant. And that should stop you in your tracks, and that should be humbling to think that the Lord of glory would serve you and serve me. As a servant, as a servant of mankind, Jesus submitted to the authority of mankind. He submitted to his parents. And we read in Luke chapter 1 where they told him, now you come with us, son. And he was obedient to them. And he was submissive to the authority of the Jewish ruling council. He was even submissive to the authority of the Romans and Pontius Pilate who convicted him and sent him off to be crucified. It would have been, it would have been a great, great thing to have God with us, to have Jesus come down to be with us. Emmanuel. One might think that would be enough, God to come in all his power and his glory just to be with us. That would be fantastic. But because of because of Christmas, we see something far more wonderful. We see how Jesus cared so much for us and how he cared for his creation. Jesus, God, the sovereign creator, coming down to us. He, he brought himself lower than the supernatural creatures he created, and he became a servant among his creatures. And what did he show us in his service? He showed us compassion, and he showed us care. He came and he healed, and he delivered. He yielded to his mother's insistence at the wedding in the town of Cana. She insisted that he perform a miracle, and he did it. And he saved the host of that grace feast a lot of embarrassment because he had run out of supply. And Jesus helped him. The royal official in that same town of Cana had a sick son. He came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, it'll be as you asked. He drove out evil spirits. He opened the eyes of the blind. He made the lame to walk. To the deaf, he opened their their ears, to the mute, he made them able to speak. He cured leprosy. The dead man, Lazarus, Jesus called to him, and he walked out of the tomb. Jairus' daughter, Jairus' daughter was laying dead in her bed. Jesus took her by the hand, lifted her out of her deathbed, and then there's the widow, the widow of Nain. Jesus is coming down the road with a big entourage. There's the widow coming out of the town of Nain. Her son, her only son, is dead. 
Jesus saw her pain. His heart went out to her. He stopped. Stopped everyone. He came up to this woman and he said, don't cry. Don't cry. His heart of compassion. Knowing she's a widow, this is her only son. They're carrying this boy out to bury him. And Jesus calls out to the son and he sits up and he begins to talk. Now that's compassion. This is the care. This is the compassion that Jesus Christ exemplified in his coming to this earth. He didn't come as a ruthless dictator. He didn't come as some megalomaniac monarch. No, he came as a servant, a servant of his Father in heaven and a servant to those that he created here on this earth. He served in all these ways. He served in all these ways. And yet there's more. Yet there's more. If this is not enough to humble us to the point where we're trembling before God, there is more. Beyond the healings, beyond the deliverances, Jesus would say, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. He forgives sins. The sick, the lame, the hurting, yes, they're healed. But oftentimes Jesus would say, and you're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. To the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. But go and sin no more. He forgave her, offered her the opportunity to repent. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, this is the pinnacle. This is the high point of the care that Jesus extended to us, his creation. Now let me, let me finish the verse that I brought to you just a few minutes ago. Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, isn't that the depth of love and the height of care that Jesus would show the extension of forgiveness for a debt we couldn't pay? He paid it. He paid this ransom. This is what he said in Mark 10, to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a payment for something, and that payment was for sin. Jesus, uh, he gave his life. We sung this morning, the weight of every curse upon him. That child who was born and put in the manger, he grew, he was found in the appearance of a man, and he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now that is the ultimate care that Christ exhibited for all of us, for his creation. In these two short sentences in Paul's letter to the Philippians, he summed it up. Jesus let go of it all. He let go of his glory. He didn't consider it worth holding on to. Because there was something more important that he cared about. And that was offering a way for us, for his creation to be reconciled back unto God. To be reconciled back to their creator. So he humbled himself and he came down to our level and he offered himself. He offered himself on on the cross. As, As Reverend Terry said, we were singing about the cross. We were singing about Easter. 
Well, that's because of Christmas. That's the heart of the Christmas message, that the Christ child came to do that for us. And I want us to to meditate on that. If you haven't meditated on that, ever meditate on it this season, these magnificent words of the apostle that are so powerful, they depict the coming of God as man. And he calls us, he calls us to follow in those very same footprints. And I want to read that passage again from Philippians, at at least the first few verses, 5 through 8. In your relationship with one another, have this same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of the servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So there's those two sentences, but Paul prefaced those. How did he preface those great words about Jesus? In your relationships. In your relationships with one another, have that mind. Have that same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is that mindset? What did Paul go on to say? It's caring And it's caring so much that you would think less of yourself and not more. That you'd be willing to give something up. That you'd be willing to humble yourself for someone else. That you would come down to another's level. That you would serve instead of being served. Consider the concern and the compassion and the care that Christ showed to do that for us. Jesus cared so much, he put aside his divinity, and he was born into this world as we all are. And it's because of that heart of Christmas that we see this. Let's model that same care that Jesus showed. And as a way for you to keep that in mind, you've got something in your hand this morning. It's just a little box. It's a little box that says, because of Christmas. It's folded flat. You could slide something in it, or you could turn it into a box if you wanted and put something in there. This is something to take with you this morning to remind you of the care of Jesus Christ. It's a little memory helper, a little memory jogger. Now, you could use this box to show care for someone else. You could put something inside of it, perhaps a gift or something that would express your care for another. doesn't need to be something store-bought. As a matter of fact, it doesn't need to be something very expensive. It could be something simple. It could be a note. Dear sister, I know I've always had the biggest room in the house. I will trade with you. Now, wouldn't that show some care? You could put a promise in this box. You could put a promise to serve. You could put put a promise to care. Maybe you haven't found an area of service in your church. Maybe you'd commit to serve at a funeral meal. Maybe you'd commit to be a mentor for someone. Perhaps you'd join the greeter team or or even be a part of the choir 
to sing and to bless us on Sunday mornings. Or maybe there's that neighbor. Maybe there's that neighbor down the street, needs help, lives alone. But boy, is he crabby. Maybe you could put a little note in here just to remind yourself you would show the same kind of care that Jesus showed. And you would think less of yourself and more of that person that mm, just rubs you the wrong way. You could be a friend of that person at school. You know the person I'm talking about. They sit alone in the cafeteria. They go to their locker. They're all alone. You know who I'm talking about, the person in science class. When you're going to have that lab, nobody wants to partner with that person. Maybe you'll take this and write down, I'll partner with that person. I'll care like Jesus, like Jesus cared. Maybe it'd just be a simple invitation. Simple invitation. Invitation to church. I know that... I heard my wife on the phone talking to her family, and she said these words, it's just because I care. I'd like you to listen to this service that's online. She was inviting them to listen to the Easter service. It's a simple thing, hard to do sometimes for our own family, but it was simple. And why? Because she cared. And if you think about it, you could invite someone next week. Next week, we're going to have a great service. Next week's going to be a really wonderful evangelistic service. Invite a friend. Bring somebody. I'm going to enjoy it because I'm not even going to preach. <laughs> Pastor Julie will be preaching next week. So bring someone to hear her. She's going to have a great message that's going to touch the hearts of people. You could use this to even write down the scripture that we just read. You could write Philippians 1, verses 5 to 8, and slip it out from time to time. I don't know. Put it on your rearview mirror. Put it at work by your telephone. Just something to remind you. Wow. Jesus did all this for me. I got to remember today to do that for someone else. Scripture's powerful. You know, the Word of God is powerful. I've used it in my own life. I've used scriptures to encourage me, to strengthen me, to lift me. Philippians 4.8 was one that I used for a good number of months just to remind me of something. And it helped. And it changed the way that I looked at things. So don't discard this. We don't want to find any of them. We don't want to find any on the floor. We don't want to find any in your seats. Take it with you and use it. Use it as a great way to help you remember what Jesus did because of Christmas. He accomplished much. He was obedient. He humbled himself. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, 
One day every knee is going to bow. And one day every tongue is going to acknowledge. And Paul said it's on earth or under earth. Now, if you're going to be under earth at that time, it might be too late for you. As a matter of fact, it will be. Today is the day. Have you yielded your knee to Jesus? If not, think about it. Think about all that he did for you. Think about what he gave up to come here. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for you and for me. And he did it because of sin, because sin cannot coexist with the holy and the righteous God. To be in heaven with him, we need to deal with this issue. We need to deal with this thing called sin. And Jesus did it on the cross. He did it with the ransom that he paid. Sin was such a problem, it required that severe cost. But this morning, I want you to know it's been paid. Now, there was no room for Jesus. In the end, is there room in your heart? I invite you to stand this morning. And if you've never really yielded your life to Jesus Christ, yourself, is there room in your heart this morning for the one who gave it all for you? And he died on the cross to make a way where there was no way. Can you believe it this morning? Do you believe? He paid and he made a way for forgiveness. If you've never done that this morning, tell him. Tell him right now in your heart you want to be forgiven. Tell him you want to be forgiven. We're going to sing a song again here. And, and if you have yielded your life to Jesus, if you've given your heart to him, maybe, you, maybe you've been neglectful from him. Maybe you've thought you've given your heart to him before, but you never really stuck with him. with you about forgiveness and about commitment and moving forward with Jesus Christ in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for coming to this earth to give your life and pay for something we couldn't pay. You're glorious and wonderful. Can't even believe it or comprehend. You do that for us. You came to serve us. It's amazing. You've given us healing and deliverance and blessing. But most of all, forgiveness of our sin. Thank you for that, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you've got this, this box, hold it up. I want to just take a minute to pray over these two. That you would really use these and effectively. Father, this isn't something trivial we're holding. God, we want you to use this. Use it in our lives. Use it as a reminder. Lord, inspire us that we would use this to 
remember how much you cared for us, that you cared for us so much that you gave your life. You gave your life. God, if we've ever taken that for granted, may it not be today. May we be reminded of the magnitude, the immensity of it all. someone else to show our care and to use this to that end. Bless it, Lord. Bless it. May we hear testimonies of how this, how this affects others for the kingdom of God. Thank you, God. Thank you. And raise your hands for the, for the pastoral blessing. Lord, I just ask and pray that you bless everyone here. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one and grant them peace. That may the peace of God that passes understanding keep every heart and every mind and every soul. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go this morning.